Welcome to the Stanley Street Social Podcast presented by Map. Map have uh, just released a new Vortex team jersey. This jersey is slightly different than uh, their traditional team fit as it incorporates 85% of the fabrics are made from recycled yarns. Still made in Italy, of course, and still incorporating their fantastic designs. If you want to check that out, you can go to map.cc and you will also find yourself a nice little discount code. So head to their website to support Map, support the podcast, and um, pick yourself up some fresh cycling kit. Today on the podcast, we talk to Luke Durbridge, the current Australian National Time Trial Champion, a writer for Mitchell and Scott. And a resident of Girona. So he's currently in a Spanish lockdown, not able to leave his apartment except for essential services, not able to train. He's on the turbo, that's all he's got. Uh, and he talks to us about how he's feeling, how he's reacting to it all, how it's affecting his season, how it's how it's affecting his career. Um, and then also we talk a little bit about where his career's at and uh, what's next for Luke Durbridge. Oh, welcome, Luke Derbridge, to the podcast. We um, we talk in interesting times. How are you? Good, Alex. How are you, mate? Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. What what are you, what are you up to at the moment? Uh, at the moment, just having a made some brekkie, having a coffee. It's a bit of a rainy day today, so probably a good day to be quarantined. So you know, you have to go out and ride your bike. <laughs> at the moment, I'm in Spain, um, in Girona. I have a a training apartment here for when the weather's pretty bad in Andorra. Most of the time I reside in Andorra. But at the moment I'm down in Girona. Uh, they've sort of shut down uh, all the businesses. Um, also not allowed to ride outside, um, not allowed to exercise outside. The only time you're allowed to go out is to, for essentials in terms of supermarkets and pharmacies. Um, so that happened on Sunday last week. So we've been eight, nine days in uh, in lockdown at the moment. So, yeah, it's a interesting time. I think it's an interesting time for everyone. Um, that's where mm. I am at the moment and I'm going to probably be here for the foreseeable future at this point. <laughs> so if you want to go to the supermarket, what what's the process? So the process is at the moment they haven't enforced it, um, but in Italy they've uh, enforced like a uh, form system where you were to write your address, write the say the location you were going to and the time. So then if you were to get pulled up by the police asking where you are, you have this form saying I'm going to here and then returning back to my house, um, you know, going to be out for a maximum of, of one hour. Um, and that goes for anyone going outside. But at the moment they've suggested that we probably should print those forms off and start to use them. But I've been going to the shops and they haven't um, they haven't enforced that. So, and at the moment, when you go to the supermarket, we're lucky enough that we're only maybe a hundred meters from a supermarket. But when you walk to the supermarket, there's a maximum of maybe thirty people inside, and um, you stand outside and wait as one person comes out, then you go in so they don't over capacity the the supermarket. Um, but at the moment, everyone's been pretty quite good, like pretty good. I mean, I've heard some horror stories in Oz how supermarkets are selling out, but uh, here in Spain, everyone's been quite good. You know, take what you need. Um, so supermarkets are are still very, very full. Um, yeah, it's it, it's okay. Like, sure, I mean, 
the three weeks time, it might be a different story. I might be, you know, at my wits end, but at this moment, you know, you've just got to sort of settle in and see, see what's going to, no one really knows, you know? Mm. And so training is all inside right now. Yeah. At the moment it's all inside. We've sort of lucky enough, I guess we're in a connected world that Zwift is uh, quite a fun thing, but I mean, I'm sure it's going to get old after a couple of weeks, but at this moment, we're just um, we're just indoor training, and and even then, like I said, we don't have an in an in post anyway. We don't actually know if we'll be racing in you know May or in June or in July, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so at this moment, it's sort of just like get on the ergo, do a Zwift session for an hour or so, and then that's about it. Because at the moment, it's because we don't know what we're training for or when we'll be racing. It's very difficult to get on there and do four or five hours a day trying to peak up for something that you don't don't even know will exist. Mm. So at this moment, it's just keep fit, just uh, kind of more for your head. You know, I think any person, if they're locked inside, needs to do, you know, half an hour to an hour worth of exercise every day, So which will just keep you, keep you healthy and also keep you sane. So that's sort of what we're doing it for at the moment, not necessarily for performance. And what, what, what are the teams saying? Obviously, there is no answer to when, when, when we can start racing again or when you can start competing. But I guess maybe not so much the team, but what are the performance guys saying? Should you be training hard? Should you just be cruise along? Should you have a break? Yeah, I think our team's been, personally, Mitchell and Scott's been really, um, really good in terms of supporting us in terms of each week we get, you know, some information about what's happening with the virus and what the team's plans are. Um, our team got sort of out in front of it and really set up some Zwift races uh, with uh, the public and social rides once um, once a day, really. We did it for a week last week. And some of those rides, we were getting, you know, 2,000 people on those rides, which is in- incredible. Um, and so our team's been really sort of like, supportive in that way in terms of put our health first there was there was no racing to be had even if there when there was races going on we pulled out we were one of the first teams to pull out to to put our uh, health health first which was which was great um so the team's just sort of saying now i spoke to my trainer and he said look let's just have a break um and we'll we could see potentially racing in june um of some capacity so at this moment it's a good time just to step back, rest, like I said, ride for a bit of enjoyment to stay sane. But, um, yeah, we're not really uh, pushing the envelope too much because, uh, as you know, Alex, from riding, you know, ergo takes a lot of mental bullets out of you. So <laughs> you uh, you can only do so many, eh? And so what's the rest of the day being consisted of? Well, we've been sort of trying to stick to a bit of a routine, my wife and I sort of get changed like you would be the, to to go outside. Um, so like get sort of dressed up, you know, jeans, shoes, shirt, um, like you would be going out for the day, um, not walk around in your tracksuit pants all day and look like a slob. Um, then I've been sort of baking a bit, like making sourdough bread. Uh, I've got a starter going at the moment. Um, and, yeah, like sort of little things like that, like when we have a meal, sit down, set the table, you know, have that like interaction, put the phones away, no devices at that point. Uh, 
and then pretty much just try and get out in the sun. We're lucky enough to have a terrace. Um, we try and get out in the sun as much as possible during the day. Um, you can always watch TV, um, but trying to limit the amount of TV time. Um, this is this, en- this endless spiral. <laughs> um, and, yeah, try and give each other space as well, which is also good. Um, yeah, just little fun things, I guess. Like, yeah, I've been um, playing around with GarageBand on the um, – on the iPad trying to make music. It sounds horrible, but it's a bit of fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. At, at this moment, I don't know. We'll, uh, But we, we're going all right for now, you know, being quite creative, cooking, reading books, out in the sun, doing shit like that. So it's been uh, yeah. it's been all right for, for the first eight days. <laughs> well, there you go, Debo's top tips because um, Probably mid mid last week, probably more officially this week, most businesses are shut. So people are uh, embarking on the working from home uh, mission and also schools are looking to shut down too. So yeah, I imagine there's a few chaotic households out there. Do you, do you have any hobbies yourself? Uh, I play the drums. Um, so I just you get on the drums too? and play, but I think that's where the garage band music, yeah, so I just dabble in the... And the drums aspect. So uh, actually, I mean, other than going off onto watching a good documentary, but I watched a really good documentary for anyone who wants to watch that Amazon one on the on the Australian Test cricket team. Um, that was a fantastic, fantastic documentary. Actually, when your when your wife goes, uh, when Lara goes, okay, do you want to sit down and watch the test? <laughs> I said, oh, this is incredible. I never thought my Lara would sit down and say, "Do you want to watch the test?" So it is. That's a good one to watch. Um, yeah, I like to. I like to be active as much as possible. So yeah, I'm a bit of a high energy person. So even if I didn't have to get on the ergo, I would get on the ergo or or do like a core workout or some something. Um, but yeah, no, it's a. Are you doing? Are you doing any pure ergo? Or is it all swift? Pretty much all swift at the moment. Yeah. I've, well, I guess when I get to some specific uh, specific sessions, I'm going to be doing um, doing some pure ergo. But other than that, just keeping it keeping it fun as much as possible. Um, but I, I think with Oz now, like you said, going into lockdown, and it's tricky because, of, like, I guess we were sort of um, exposed to it a lot earlier than say you guys were back home. But it's you kind of got to have a sort of a social social obligation to to stay home and because we just can't put any more stress on the hospitals at the moment so i guess everyone has to just do their bit it's everyone's going to be inconvenienced everyone's going to be hurting i mean not one person's going to hurt not hurt from what's what's happening this is unprecedented times but we all just have to be a bit more like uh i guess uh compassionate with each other and have a responsibility to you know do what's right i think at this moment mm-hmm. was is the thought or is the option there to come back to perth back to australia i haven't looked into that uh i definitely had thought about it in terms of maybe i should go home um yeah not to be bad news bears but i'm not really sure if australia is going to be in the same situation like you've been explained to me as we are here in Spain. Um, and then also when I go home, I've got, you know, my parents, grandparents, things like that, and I would have come from quite a contaminated area. 
So yeah. I'm coming into Spain, coming into Australia from Spain. I would be self-quarantined anyway for two weeks at least before I was to see my family. Um, and then to see my family and then we also might be in lockdown there soon enough. And then the ability to, if they do open it up, to go back to racing, the ability to get back to Spain might also be difficult. So, yeah, look, I don't know if anyone really has the right answer. Um, a few people I know have gone back to Australia who are here and that might be a good decision or it might not be. I don't know. But I don't think the teams the teams that have said to us, it's up to you. If you would like to go home to Australia, you, you can. Um, and I think for some of the guys that are younger or neo-pros are not quite set up here um, over in Europe, that, that, that was a good decision. But for me and my wife, we're 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 more and more happy here. We're set up here. We've I've been here for in Europe for ten years, so you know it's not like it's a, a foreign place for me. So yeah, I think for for the foreseeable future, I'll be staying here until I guess uh, a later date. Things might change. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's the unknown. Everyone's in the unknown. Everyone. There's no there's no reference point to go back to to go oh well, this should happen it's everything's up in the air and we are exactly. heading towards that that lockdown phase um, as the rest of the world is almost in at the moment how how are you feeling like yeah. generally about has it been a bit of a roller coaster last month in terms of the unknowns the uncertainties your career how that's how that's going to fare from yeah. this. Um, you kicked the year off with a super, a super start. Um, yeah, how, how are you feeling now? I guess, it, like you said, it was there. It's very much true. It's like a a roller coaster. Like a start in January, really quite well. When the nationals there, and then coming to Europe, and went straight to training camp, and then you sort of started to hear, you know, whispers of of the coronavirus coming to Europe, and. You know, you're thinking, and nah, it's not here. It's not, not going to affect us. Not going to affect us. You're kind of um, ignorant, and you sort of continue business as usual. Went to a training camp. You know, came back to Girona. Went to opening weekend. Got a few good signs of opening weekend with uh, how the form was going to be for the classics, and still had some room to move. And was really excited. You know, like this is, you know, this could be a, a year where I could potentially do what I want to do at the classics, and getting pretty excited for that. And then all of a sudden it all gets ripped out from underneath you. Um, and I guess I sort of was initially like obviously devastated about all the races and, and oh, no, this could have been my year, this is it. And you sort of get like a maybe a – I think everyone's only – world's only as big as what, what's in front of them. Like I was a bit selfish. Not selfish but just a bit like, ah, oh, you know, what's happened? What's happened, like my races, my season, my contracts, my this, my career, etc. And then I kind of started to realise, actually, holy shit, this is actually a lot bigger than than just cycling and just bigger than just my career. And I think I needed to just step back and go, okay, well, I need to go home. I need to, you know, make sure me and my wife, we're, we're good, we're, we're stocked up, we're ready. We're staying indoors. We're doing our bit, and I guess once I had the mentality of like, actually, this is completely different. This is completely bigger than cycling itself. I sort of let go of the that that side of things. Like, sure, this is going to affect me, and I'm not sure how, and I don't think anyone knows how it's going to affect him because, like you said before, this is unprecedented times. We don't know what's to come. So, 
you just have to make sure you just got to live day to day at this moment and just make sure you're okay day to day. And that's pretty much what my focus is at the moment. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with what's going on in terms of like, okay, I don't know when I'm going to race and when I'm going to race, it's going to be great. But until this point, I just got to focus on staying healthy, trying to be happy, sort of trying to, you know, get to day to day, do these sort of things that I don't go insane because looking after ourselves mentally and physically at this moment is the most important thing rather than worrying about the future because no one's actually going to can tell you when the future is going to happen for races, et cetera. So, mm. yeah, that's sort of where I'm at at the moment, man. So, yeah. Well, it, it sounds like um, things are at, considering at a, a very good point in time. Yeah, it's it's not it's not not the end of the world at the moment, but I mean, you could speak yeah. to me in two weeks' time, and I'm <laughs> going absolutely insane. Probably you'll be in the same boat as well. So, <laughs> how long have you been on the turbo now for? Uh, probably eight nine days now. Yeah. Okay. In terms of your career, is it a contract year this year? Yeah. Is the not does ideal? Does that concern you? Uh yeah, of course. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, everyone who's up for contract or anyone even in contracts would be nervous about how the economy is going to take the hit. And then, when the economy takes the hit, then so does our sport because we are solely based off pretty much sponsorship-wise. So, any company that takes a hit, we take a hit. If that makes sense. So. For this moment, yeah, I'm up for contract and it is nervous. Like you are a little bit nervous about what you're going to do next year. But, man, I think 90% of the Peloton are nervous about what's going to happen with their contracts. So I'm not alone in that sense and I think I'll be okay, you know. I mean, not to be overconfident with it or not, but I, I, I think, you know, I can prove to be valuable to – Many teams, and especially my team as well, and I think uh, I think I think it'll be okay. And um, whatever cycling is in six months' time, we'll find out. And I still love it, and I'm still, you know, obviously performing quite well. So yeah, I don't uh, can't see me not being involved in some way in the next couple of years. Where where do you see your career in the the evolution of Luke Debridge and the where you are at? Um, and where you want your career to go? Where, what point do you see yourself at? Well, I think, uh, I mean, if you were to think about it in a perfect situation without anything that's going on, um, I would love to be on the podium in um, some of the big classics in uh, the Flemish classics like Flanders and Roubaix. Um, and that's something I've been working towards for many years and I've had a bit of bad luck in terms of a few crashes and, not necessarily I was been on the podium, but I was definitely up there a couple of years ago. And uh, since then, I haven't really had a good run at it, breaking my collarbone at the Nationals and then the following year, breaking my collarbone and my hand in the first Classic. So, And then coronavirus this year. So it's been nearly three years in a row where I haven't actually had a good run at the form that I had in 2017, which was where I was sort of you know top five in a couple of those big races. Um, so for me, the Classics is something that I'm – really really passionate about and i love them and they're my favorite races i can i have the sort of ability to be able to go well in them so that's something i really want to continue to work on and 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 hopefully like you said hopefully be on the podium in, in some of those big uh those big classics 
And then on the side note is I really feel my TT's sort of come back to what I know it and know it and should have been. Uh, for a few years there, I sort of didn't put the focus on it that I needed to um, and I definitely slipped away. Um, so the last couple of years, my coach and I have been really focusing on that time trial. And uh, as you've seen, the last two years now where I've beaten Rowan at the Nationals, it's something that is really coming back in a big way. And now I just feel that I haven't really strung, strung together my form in September at the World Championships. And that's a, that's a big target for me. So ideally, obviously this year, Switzerland um, World Championship, the course is actually really good for me. And I really think like if I can be around Rowan at the Nationals, obviously Rowan's not on peak, peak form, but Rowan wins the Worlds by a significant margin. So it sort of <laughs> means you to be around that top five podium, I don't know, on your day, maybe a win at the Worlds. Um, and that's somewhere that sort of, that's that's a passion for me and it really drives me. So I guess I've got two sort of, two areas where I'm really working towards in terms of, you know, early season, the classics, and then late season, you know, the time trial. Um, and in between that, you know, I've uh, really enjoyed being uh, a team like a team leader on the, on the road for our for our riders and and also just like uh, doing my job for the for the team in the Grand Tours. That's something that really excites me. You know, we've got such good young GC guys, and um, I really love going to a Grand Tour and every single day trying to look after them so we can get the best result possible. So that's sort of something that I'm also very passionate about that I've been doing for many years now, um, and something I still really deeply care about um so yeah that's sort of where my career is at the moment and just the progression that i'd like to take and yeah you you mentioned that you've won back to back national titles against the fastest man in the world against the clock rowan dennis what and and the kind of the more the greater focus that you've put on that area of your um writing what what did you do because geez it worked um I guess uh, for January, after for January, it seems to work when I, I guess I have a lot of fun in terms of in the off season. I have a really great group that I train with. Um, Michael Freeberg, uh, an Ironman friend of mine, Matt Burton, Cam Meyer, Travis Meyer, AJ, a few Aussie blokes that they you know um, well. And we've got a really good group and we go out and we, it's 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 really competitive group, but it's uh it's a lot of fun and and I find that with time trialing and time trial training and it can be quite horrible. <laughs> it can be quite hard. It can be quite boring. Um, and so I sort of tried to like dial it back to being like more of a junior in terms of we had these local club TTs, and regardless it's on a Tuesday or it's on a Sunday, and you'd go out there. You'd ride there, you'd do the TT as hard as you can. doesn't matter, like no real preparation. Just go out and just go, there's a 40K and a 15K. One's on a Tuesday, one's on a Sunday. You just go and you smash the 14K on a Tuesday, come in, swap your bike, and then head out on your road bike for four or five hours. Same thing on the Sunday, you know, ride up maybe half an hour away, do the 40K as hard as you can, come back, get your road bike, go out for a couple of hours. And, like, it didn't matter the power that you did or the the numbers you did or the warm-up or all these specifics that you get so 
caught up on. It was just purely go out, hurt yourself for as hard as you can for 15K or 40K. And then, like, it sort of inspired that, like, junior in you, like that bit of like, – that's what you used to do as juniors. That's that's what a time trial is, just go out and hurt yourself for how long the distance is. It's not overly complicated. And then what happened from there was, like, I started to really enjoy the effort and the process and pushing myself to the limit and, like, I think just getting my head around, like, okay, going out there and doing a 40K was, was something that you just really overcomplicated rather than just going from A to B as fast as possible. And so in the off-season, this group of guys were all going out there and and doing these races and then a bit of inner rivalry too, racing each other and pushing each other and seeing each other the files afterwards and, oh, man, that's a sweet watts or that's a fire out, you went fast there or what happened there, you blew up, you know, like as a joke and things like that. And um, from there that seemed to like inspire me to be like, this is why I love time trolling. It's like that pushing yourself but also that competition between others and um yeah i think from there i went from from then going to the nationals i think i ran second that year the first time i tried this tried this series out of just going and doing these races and not doing pacific uh sessions on the ergo or going and doing you know press set 10 minutes stop five minutes recovery 10 minutes five minutes recovery 10 minutes recovery like all these monotonous sessions that you used to do for time trialing just didn't do them in the off season. And then it's funny this, then then the next year did the same thing again. And I sort of beat the PBs from the years before and same thing. It's, it's a long process. I'd sort of started to focus on it for two years before I'd won the nationals um, two years ago. So finally, you know, that seemed to work. And I think I've sort of tried to imply that with a lot of my training now is just bringing it back to that fun aspect of why you, like we all want to push ourselves. We're all very competitive. We're all very um, driven, competitive people. And I think there's a big difference when you want to do it and someone else is telling you to do it. And that's the tricky relationship with a coach is that if a coach tells you to do it, you sort of like, okay, I better do it, better do it. But you're not (laughs) getting the right stimulus if you want to personally do it. So that's why I think uh, it sort of came back and, yeah, sort of, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where we're at, at the moment. Have you been able to take that to Girona? That's been a little bit tricky because I guess I ride with a lot of other professionals um, and everyone is so um, exact with their training. So it's difficult to say, okay, I'm going to go out for a ride and then just push and do this session and just like, oh, let's just race each other a bit here and race each other there. And I don't think us as professionals really are good at that. Like I think I've got a group at home that are just happy to do whatever I'm doing and <laughs> that makes it easy. But everyone over here is exactly the same thing as as me. Like we, we have certain sessions to do. So, yeah, I've, um, I've, I've found a few people that are, are up for it and get that style of training. Um, Mitch Docker is one of them. Um, we we always just go out and we just half wheel each other and race each other and it's like it's a lot of fun. So he's, he's a really good guy to train with um, over here, which is uh, probably one of the main guys I do train with. Um, and Zach Dempster also until he retired last year. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a few good guys to ride with for sure, but uh, not many guys want to ride necessarily as hard. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no, it's it, it's interesting, and I think I think like it's, it speaks to the beauty of cycling. It can sometimes get lost. I guess now everyone has access to a power meter, or most people do. Their price is significantly reduced. Uh, their popularity's gone through the roof, which has some positives um, because you can tonk yes. around Zwift when you can't go outside. But sometimes you can get a bit controlled. It can be go a bit too far, and as you said, you lose that drive that energy and that thrill that you get from racing people beating people to um to wrap things up i've got some i've got some questions um from from a few different people there's there is one there's a couple of reference to death valley loop is that is that is that in uh is that what you were talking about for in a perth a perth ride yeah that's a perth ride yeah so we've got a question from thanks, JN. Give us your best story that happened on the famous Death Valley Loop and explain why it's famous. Well, the Death Valley Loop is not necessarily a great story, but it's actually where Peter Brock died um, in a rally. So there's a memorial out in this uh, loop that we do where um, out the back of Perth, so it's probably, let's say, an hour an hour away from the city centre, maybe an hour and a half. Um, and then it's just you don't really get phone reception out there. It's those really hard country Australian chip chip metal roads. Um, it's you are you are do feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Um, you hardly see a car. Uh, if you were to do Death Valley completely, it's a six hour ride. Um, so it's, you know, six-hour ride for us too. So, you know, if you're out there and you're not overly fit, then, uh, yeah, things can get pretty messy. Um, I love it because, yeah, I love it because of the epicness of it in terms of like when you're out there, like you said, you've got no real phone reception. You're sort of out in the middle of nowhere. Generally when you're out there, it's sort of 35 degrees because you're in the Aussie summer. and I like it because I do it the first week I get back um, from off season when I get home to Australia, and I'm overweight, I'm unfit, um, I really struggle to get through there. And then once a week I do it all the way up until the nationals, and then by the time the nationals is coming, you're you're floating through there, um, and it's just a really good indication of where you are at, um, it, you know, as your form's progressing over the over the off season. So, yeah. Sort of a one of the far best stories, I guess, in that point on that ride was one time we had a we had a guy who was very unfit, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to come on the loop with you." And Michael Freeberg and I both had the air hub, um, and we thought we'll turn the air hub on um, and ride the whole Death Valley with the air hub on to slow us down, so we wouldn't drop this guy and. Man, we were in such a bad way uh, on the way home. This guy was, you know, still talking, helping, like happy on the back, just like, oh, this is a great ride. I mean, I'm glad you guys have been riding really slow for me. And me and Michael have had this air hub on, which is a resistance wheel. We've had about 150 watts more resistance than this guy all day. And, um, yeah, so we were pretty pear shaped coming home. It was quite funny. As we turned off, he sort of none the wiser that we'd done sort of, you know, maybe 3,000 calories more than him, but um, 
that was quite a funny day. Uh, Sam Eddy asks, which classic was Derbo going to win? <laughs> oh, thanks for the compliment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no Australia's ever won Flanders, so that would have been the, uh, at this moment, would have been the big one. Uh Andrew asks, "What's what is Derbo's favourite interval go-to interval session? Maybe a little bit of inspiration for the coming months in Australia." Uh, for me, I like Zone Two is my zone. I love that zone in terms of I should probably should be an Ironman triathlete, not a professional cyclist. But um, yeah, so anything long tempo-wise. So between that, for me. 140 to 150 heart rate. Um, pretty much just go out the door, press set, and then just ride semi hard for the entire day. So, <laughs> you know, if you come in, you've done five hours, you've done five hours, a day, you know, that's sort of just like on the pedals all day. So for me, that's the one of the best sessions because you just, you know, you're just pushing away, body's working, everything's working just on the pedals and you get home and you're just like so empty and yeah, I don't know. I'm addicted to those sessions. They sound horrible, but they are. They get you some good form. And last one, what's your favourite race of the year to watch when you're not participating? From James Cohen, 81. Favourite race to watch? Uh, I think if I'm not doing uh, the World Championships, I love watching the Worlds. Uh, I think it's great, you know, all the colours of the different teams, you know, once a year you get to see, you know, get, get to see it and I think it's just like awesome crowds and like you can't beat the rainbow jersey, you know, it's like it's pretty mm. cool. Well, hopefully we get to see the World Championships in 2020 and yourself featured in the individual time trial uh, and thanks for coming on the podcast, Luke. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me on and, um, yeah, all the best back home and everyone stay safe and stay healthy and, We'll hopefully uh, be out of it soon.